The information provided is not a substitute for legal and other professional advice where the facts and circumstances warrant. People should always consult their own legal or other professional advisors and discuss the facts and circumstances that apply to their specific circumstances. The information shared on Ask the Landlord is for educational purposes only. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ask the Landlord with our favorite landlord, Albert Dweck. I'm Melissa. I'm one of Albert's producers and a former New York City, Pittsburgh, Lafayette, Louisiana, and Washington, D.C. renter. And together, we're going to ask this landlord some questions. If you have a question for Albert and you want to call us and get on the show, leave us a voicemail at the Ask the Landlord hotline. That number is 646-580-3015. How are you today, Albert? I'm good, Melissa. How are you today? I'm good. And I think you are the perfect person to ask this specific question because how many years have you been in the rental market? Oh boy. Meaning the <laughs> landlord? Officially? Being a landlord, like uh, estimate. No, more than 20 years. Okay. More 20, than 20 years. Perfect. 20, 23 years. Right. Okay. More than 20 years, right? 20 years right. of experience. You've seen You've seen everything. You've seen the prices drop. You've seen the prices skyrocket. You've seen neighborhoods change. So in your opinion, how has the rental market evolved in recent years and what trends do you foresee in the future? Uh, You know, I've seen in recent years, there's been a certainly a constraint on supply. I don't think supply has caught up with demand as much as it needs to be. And that's, you know, a lot of factors uh, there. Um, So that puts a real constraint on the existing housing. Like there's a lot of demand for existing housing. Also, when you just look at world population, that continues to increase overall. So, you know, we're not making any more land, and yet the population of the world continues to grow. So, you know, fundamentally, uh, the demographics, uh, you know, have it so that, you know, more people and not not enough housing, let's say. And then you're talking about affordability. Um, and then when there's scarcity of housing, affordable housing, um, you know, there's just more people looking for less housing. And then if you don't build enough housing, uh, you don't have enough housing, right? So, and then what happens is there's also a political um, backdrop to that where, um, you know, you're, we're electing in the United States, we're electing politicians for relatively short terms, which is like four-year terms. And you're telling them, oh, no, I want you to have a long view on this market. Like you're telling a politician, oh, don't don't think about the short term. Think about the long term. And the politician's not – it's whether or not they understand that issue, it's fine. They're – you know, and the cycle that we have them in is like, oh, they they work to get elected. They get elected. They work. And then they have to get reelected. So they're they're like half the time that they're that they're in office, they're thinking about getting reelected, right? So then it's it's not really, they're not thinking about the long-term, what they have to do long-term to fix things, right? They're only thinking about how I got here and what's going to keep me here as opposed to long-term uh, thinking. So what's happened more in in the last 10 years uh, in the United States is, you know, 
policies, uh, political policies have gotten more progressive where politicians say, you know what, I want people to have affordable housing. Okay, so that makes sense. So, you know, we should enact rent controls, uh, more, you know, try to try to stabilize pricing for rentals. And you're like, okay. And then they say, well, no one says, well, let's build more housing. No, let's control the pricing. So that's back. That's messed up. You know, the way to, you know, it's, and then this is like a basic economics thing. It's like supply and demand. You, you know, you want there to be lower prices, make more supply. Don't constrain supply. So that's what the politicians in the in the short term are doing. They're saying, you know, to, we want to keep people happy. We want to keep rents down, which is for the moment okay, but for the long term, it doesn't create more supply. It just constrains existing supply more. So people aren't incentivized to. Uh, so people aren't incentivized to move because they they their their rent is being controlled where they are. Right. For example, in California, in many places, your, you know, your rents are stabilized where they are. Right. When you're living there, but when you move out, it goes to free market. Right. So you're like, oh, uh, so then I'm not going to move because I have a good situation. So then that that uh, incent disincentivizes you to to be upwardly mobile. Right. Okay. Then. There's a lot of laws that are imposed about building new housing and restrictions. And then you tell people, if you're going to build new housing, it has to be affordable. So then if you're, if you're a developer and you can't get the full value out of your invested dollars, why would you build something? Oh, so the government tells you, you know, you know, you have to keep it affordable. You're like, no problem. But how do I produce a return then? if I'm going to do that. So, and then the process of doing this becomes very bureaucratic. So what we've seen is, I think, a movement, you know, in economics, politics, where things have moved too far to the left um, to um, take care of the customer, which is fine, and it's they shouldn't be moving too too far to the right to take care of the the only the business person right so there needs to be a middle ground and i think we've lost that in recent years and that's hurt while it's try well it looks like it helps the renter in the short term it does but it doesn't in the long term it just doesn't create enough housing and ultimately the people who who get hurt the most are 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 regular people who you know just need to rent something does all that make sense it does kind of. So how do landlords get around building new units or buildings that aren't deemed for affordable housing? Because I'm picturing like billionaires row in Manhattan, you know, like those. How how do the landlords or the builders and developers get around that? There's no getting around it. Um, in New York City, um, as an example, it's just really difficult because the land is expensive. Uh, so your starting point is, you know, having expensive land and then you have to build whatever costs to build. Right. And then you end up with a, Oh, you know, how do you make money if you, if, it, if the land's expensive and it's expensive to build, you know? 
So the government um, typically says to builders or developers, look, you know, you whatever if you're going to build something new, we want you to include a certain percentage of affordable housing. And for that, we'll give you some incentives like tax breaks and things like that. Um, the problem is um, that's also become a political football where uh, that there was a big incentive uh, for builders to build affordable housing. And now that's expired for a significant amount of time. So right now there is no incentive. Imagine. So, so there's no, there's no incentive to build affordable housing now for the, for a significant amount of time in New York. And that, that's a real problem. Right. That creates definitely a huge problem for mil- hundreds of thousands, millions of people. Right. So then the only thing that makes sense to build is something that's very expensive. And that's what it's coming to, right? So that's the trends right. you foresee. Yeah. Well, that's what's going on now. Right. Interesting. That's a good point. What we need is, you know, and then the other thing that's, you know, that's, there's a big thing that you, that's going to happen is that. There's like, uh, I think, uh, 78 million baby boomers and they're aging. And I think 10,000 of them are, you know, retiring a day. Hmm. And yeah, and and they're a big, there was the biggest generation of people in the United States after the war, World War II. So they are now, you know, we're living in houses mostly, right? And then their children, let's say, moved out, right? And then they have this house that they have, mm-hmm. right? So now they now they're they the house. Let's say was like had stairs or it's too big, and really it's their whole uh, equity in the house is like what they have. Mm-hmm. So they want to sell the house, and then you know move into some place where they need to be taken care of because they're getting older. Mm-hmm. So there's a big business of senior housing where, you know, seniors need more care and less space, right? And easier that's going to work with their bodies biologically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is that, you know, that's expensive to have, right? And I'm thinking, what if someone can't afford that? What if someone doesn't have that? What if someone... You know, how is everyone going to afford, you know, I don't know, thousands of dollars a month in, you know, um, assisted living, whatever you want to call that, right? Right, when they've lived so, in a, probably a paid-off house for numerous years. Right? So if they, the, the theory is that if they lived in a paid-off house, that they, they could sell right, the house and then take that money and then use that. But what if they didn't? Right. What if they were renters their whole lives? Oh, very true. And, Absolutely. And they're, and they're also, you know, and now what are they going to do? So what are they going to do? I don't know. I don't know. You know, they live with their kids and then the cycle continues. (laughs) It's possible. Right. You know, it's possible. So there's a, you know, one of the things I was thinking about is, you know, how you have like, uh, I don't know, this is an idea, but you have young people living together to afford the rent, let's say after college, (laughs) right? So people need to get together to afford the rent until they could make enough money and then go out on their own, right? Mm-hmm. Like your first apartment you're sharing with somebody, in New York at least. Of course. What about the reverse of that? What about saying that now, what about older people living together to afford? Like if you have houses where- I love it. You know, 
you have like, let's say you have like a caretaker or a person that's there, maybe it's cheaper, you know, where you have like a four bedroom and people are sharing it, you know, older people. Oh my God. An idea. Does this exist? Do they do this now? Uh, I don't know. I'm, you know, I mean, I've heard it. I think it's a great idea. Let's start this, Albert. I I mean, that's that's a great idea. So we need, we need a solution. And you make it like college life again. (laughs) The other trend. That's a good one. uh, That's related to that is that, you know, if you think about how people used to live in the early 1900s, in the early 20th century, they only lived until 60 something. Now they're living till 90. So they have to figure out what to do from 60 to 90. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole new thing too. You mean that's to keep, related to this. Keep the older people entertained, like mentally what they have to do or physically, or are you talking social no, security? No, no. Let's if from a big picture demographic issue, right. right? Not an issue, but whatever. Something we have to deal with is that Social Security was created. And the age was like sixty-two, right? Initially, right? Because no one lived. Most of the people didn't live past sixty-two, right? But now, every you know, you have people that are going to live to ninety. Most people are the 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 life expectancy increased significantly mm-hmm. right so now you're saying that creates a whole new thing like you know those people now have to be housed for 30 years yeah is anyone thinking about that i don't know i think the kids are <laughs> i think about that but right yeah so that something new that has to be that has to happen is people have to think about now the entire older population, where are they going to be housed? Cause they're going to live longer. Right. That I don't think we're addressing that. That's really interesting. Really. Cause most of our conversations I'm picturing like new people moving to New York or move, you know, younger people moving into these apartments, but now it's kind of the end, the fourth quarter of life where they, they need housing too and they and help and assistance and when you picture these nursing homes i've seen it with my husband's grandma like it was awful you know they have really bad reputations they're not maybe oh. this is a pennsylvania thing i've i've seen other ones where and then there's really good family. ones there's two but really, really nice of ones of course right? yeah like my dad's first cousin has been on a wait list to get into this like really nice assisted living where he's like and it's a fortune by the way yeah he's yeah he's been on he's very yeah. So, but there's such a like a difference of availability and options, and maybe to find that middle ground, that co living maybe for that de- generation. It's a great idea. I want to be involved. Yeah, and you, and you think about also now like there are a lot of people that are older, and who's listening to them? How do how does it how does it work from a political standpoint? Of you know. Do they vote for people that create these kind of situations for themselves? So those are things to think about from a long-term perspective, how how the market uh, politics uh, gets affected. Ultimately, I agree. I think coming back to it, it's coming back to the thing that's really going to make it better for pricing and affordability is creating supply. Mm-hmm. 
period. Right. So that's a supply. We got to figure out how to do that and then we're all good. So, all right. Thank you so much for your input on the trends and what you foresee as problems that a lot of people probably aren't thinking about. I, I know I was not thinking about. Now I will be. So thank you. And this was a great one. So thanks, Albert. Thank you. For more episodes, please subscribe to Ask the Landlord on your favorite podcast platform. We'd appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to watch the show, check out our Ask the Landlord YouTube channel. If you have a question for Albert, feel free to contact him on Instagram at Ask the Landlord and check out his TikTok at Ask the Landlord. Bridging the gap between landlords and tenants, this has been Ask the Landlord. Thanks for listening.